to Captain's Log, episode 13. This is part two of Four Pips Leadership Tips with Calvinist Picard, and we're focusing on emotional intelligence. As I mentioned in part one, I want to start each of the episodes in this series with an affirmation of the sufficiency and authority of Scripture. You know, God's Word is not merely a guide to leading well, and it certainly isn't a manual on pop psychology. With all of that in mind, there are aspects that we can learn from the field of leadership that are helpful. Emotional intelligence is one such area where we would be wise to seek to better understand and apply its core concepts. Leadership is often associated with intelligence and charisma. However, these traits are not the only characteristics that leaders must possess, nor even the most crucial ones. In the seminal work Primal Leadership, the authors posit that leaders either create resonance or dissonance. Resonance might be understood as an overall harmony of vision, purpose, and actions, while dissonance is a chaotic disconnect in those key areas. Emotional intelligence is the tool at a leader's disposal to identify, analyze, and appropriately respond to the emotional state of followers in a way that creates resonance instead of dissonance. This, of course, requires that a leader be aware of and in control of their emotions, as well as sensitive and responsive to the emotional environment within their leadership context. Understanding this is a major step forward in cultivating skills that can expand a leader's repertoire. Emotional intelligence is a relatively new field of study which has applications in all kinds of contexts still being researched. The delineated domains of emotional intelligence within a leadership framework include self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management with 18 corresponding competencies, according to Goldman. While it would be impossible to address the full scope of elements available in the leader's repertoire, highlighting several will whet the appetite, so to speak, and provide food for thought. Leaders who are able to integrate principles of emotional intelligence will maximize their effectiveness. One of those key aspects is self-awareness. Know thyself is much more than a philosophical maxim. Self-awareness allows a leader to identify, process, and respond appropriately to the emotions they possess. Possessing this ability allows leaders to differentiate between wants, needs, and juggle aspects like work-life balance, which in turn help them avoid burnout and persevere in their role. Imagine the leader who perpetually took on more responsibilities because there was no personal mechanism in place to identify their own needs and bring balance to their work and life. Leaders who are able to cultivate self-awareness are also able to process their emotions in such a way to lead more effectively. Leaders with this ability can pick up on intangible resources within an organization which can have very tangible results. For example, Imagine the leader who is frustrated with performance numbers in an organization where the morale was at an all-time low. The leader possessing self-awareness would be able to evaluate their personal needs as well as the current organizational climate and make decisions that are in the overall best interest for the organization as a whole. A leader low in self-awareness would react impulsively and cause great potential harm in the process. Now, when I refer to self-awareness, I don't mean that there's this sort of self-knowledge or self-discovery that you're going through in some type of mystical way or, or in some kind of pop psychology way in which it might be often viewed. It simply means being willing to take a step back 
to examine your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions from as an objective perspective as you possibly can. And that allows you to make make decisions that are much more informed and to engage with people on their emotional spectrum in a way that's much more informed as well. Another key characteristic that leaders should have in their toolkit, so to speak, is empathy. Leaders are faced with numerous difficult situations and combinations of people, personalities, passions, and priorities. Many characteristics are useful in dealing with such situations. However, empathy is one that deserves highlighting. Empathy is not merely being nice, being sympathetic, or being agreeable. Ernest Wilson III defined empathy as, quote, a deep emotional intelligence closely connected to cultural competence that enables those who possess it to see the world through others' eyes and understand their unique perspective, end quote. Having the ability to see things through the potential perspective of others allows leaders to think ahead, maximize initiatives, and avoid pitfalls. In Harvard Business Review's 10 Must-Reads on Emotional Intelligence, uh, Diane Cotu states, Resilient people possess three characteristics. A staunch acceptance of reality, a deep belief often buttressed by strongly held values that life is meaningful, and an uncanny ability to improvise. Understanding and incorporating these characteristics can mean the difference between giving up, burning out, or overcoming and persevering. The resilient leader has to accept reality. Have you ever encountered a leader who was so consumed with positivity that they seemed disconnected from reality? Unfortunately, I did have a leader like that, and the end result was that nobody believed the spin that was put out on various circumstances, and everyone felt that they were profoundly misunderstood. A little dose of self-awareness and an embracing of reality in those circumstances would have went a long way and would have conveyed empathy to the actual situation uh, that people found themselves in. If leaders fail to see the reality of what's really going on around them, no matter how positive a spin they put on things, the end result is actually going to be followers who are disconnected, who feel unappreciated, and eventually who lose respect for the leader altogether. Resilient leaders also have deep belief. If a leader's beliefs are shallow, so too will be their sustaining roots. When the complications and challenges that inevitably arise at any organization come, they will not be poised to endure, nor will the passion of those within the organization. Al Mohler, in his 2012 work, The Conviction to Lead, writes, quote, Once beliefs have been minimized and convictions have been marginalized, energy leaves the movement like air escaping a balloon. End quote. Psalm 1 offers a glimpse into the impact that deep belief can have upon resiliency. The man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates upon it day and night will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Leaders who are resilient also have to include the key characteristic of improvisation. Improvisation does not equate to a lack of planning or foresight. Rather, it is the ability to demonstrate flexibility and creativity as the need arises. Of course, leadership goes hand-in-hand with planning, but all leaders are well aware of the fact that plans often don't go the way we had intended. 
And so improvisation allows a leader to engage with situations and scenarios as they arise, circumstances that pop up out of the expected, and to respond in a way that actually shows flexibility, adaptability, and hopefully uh, will cause the end results to be positive rather than negative. And in educational context, which I had the privilege to work for several years, this was abundantly clear as lesson plans in the classroom often had to be adaptable and improvisation was a daily occurrence. And in the administrative capacity as well, when things would come up that you weren't expecting and you just had to deal with it in a way that perhaps you had never thought of before. Leaders who are able to improvise show an ability to engage with whatever the situation may be head on with flexibility, adaptability, and hopefully resiliency. There are also some key strategies that we should take a few moments to unpack. Bradbury and Greaves list 17 self-management strategies that will help you manage your emotions to your benefit and to the benefit of those within your organization, whatever context it might be. Of those 17 strategies, there are three that rise to the top for myself. And they include smiling and laughing more, putting a mental recharge in your schedule, and to learn a valuable lesson from everyone you encounter. Smiling and laughing more is is one that's personally important to me. Integrating humor does not mean being a comedian or being characterized by irreverence. Laughing together forges a connection. In the proper context and time, laughter is a powerful way to diffuse conflict, illustrate points, strengthen relationships, and create an overall pleasant atmosphere. So leaders who are too stiff or too rigid or entirely too serious about themselves, who take themselves too seriously, can really prevent the most effective practices in in their leadership context. Now, certainly this can go over the top in the other direction as well, and so we want to be mindful of that. But simply expressing your personality, your sense of humor, smiling and laughing more within those uh, with those within your organizational context is definitely a win. It's a strategy worth utilizing. It's also important, I think, to put a mental recharge in your schedule. A typical mindset within the American workforce is that more is always more. Within that perspective, more hours equal more productivity. However, that's not necessarily the case. Gino and Stotts in 2015 identified exhaustion and lack of reflection as key factors that deter action towards improvement and offered three antidotes. Build breaks into the schedule, take time to just think, and encourage reflection after doing. Taking time to rest, reflect, and recharge mentally, physically, and spiritually can actually boost productivity. Citing the Stanford University Graduate School of Business meta-analysis of 2015, HR Magazine highlighted several noteworthy statistics. These are somewhat shocking. 52% of the U.S. office workers report being stressed out daily. 60% say that work-related pressure has increased in the past five years. And 95% of HR leaders blame employee burnout for the inability to retain staff. Now, certainly leaders must be mindful of the ongoing and cumulative effects their employees face. I, myself, am an INFJ within the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, So as an introvert, there is a required time to emotionally refuel 
after prolonged interaction with others. These are things that leaders have to be mindful of. So putting a mental recharge in their own schedule and so organizing their workforce and workflows to put mental recharges in the schedules of those that they lead as well is an important thing. And then finally, it's, it's also significant for us to learn a valuable lesson from everyone that we encounter. While every conversation and encounter will not be equally beneficial, a simple change in perspective can maximize the leader's ability to grow. Viewing interactions and conversations as opportunities to learn and further develop as a leader is far better, a far better way of approaching the encounters with others that come our way. While serving in administration at a local Christian school, I had conversations with people from all different kinds of diverse backgrounds. Whether it was business, technology, food service, ministry, or maintenance, there were practical aspects of their knowledge that could tie in with my own and add to my leadership repertoire accordingly. Leaders would be wise to consider these strategies and principles as we've discussed today, but it's also important to remember that there's nothing new under the sun. Many of these principles and strategies are simply ideas that really stem from the wisdom that God's revealed to us in His Word, and they've just been repackaged or put in a new light or given a new branding or a clever turn of phrase in order to present it as something new within the social science realm. With that in mind, I'd also like to shift now to uh, the nerdy side of uh, leadership and emotional intelligence and how that applies. In the Next Generation episode, Chain of Command, Picard is called away on a secret mission and a new captain is assigned to the Enterprise. The new captain lacks empathy and runs a tight ship. But as Commander Riker points out to the new captain, Jellico, and he says, you need to control everything and everyone. You don't provide an atmosphere of trust, and you don't inspire these people to go out of their way for you. You've got everybody wound up so tight, there's no joy in anything. Now it's clear that Jellico might benefit from a little growth in many of the areas that we've discussed today, from a little bit of emotional intelligence. In fact, when Picard was able to return to the ship, it was almost like a collective sigh of relief amongst the whole crew and certainly among the senior staff. So I would encourage leaders from all different contexts to do a little bit of self-analysis and to really weigh their leadership practices and their approach to leadership in a way that incorporates some of the principles that we've discussed. Emotional intelligence is a new field in the area of the social science of leadership, but it's really nothing new in terms of what God's Word has to teach us, to be empathetic, to embrace reality, to be seekers of the truth, and things along those lines. It's important for us to remember that we have to reflect upon our leadership practices to make sure that we're loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. These are certainly not new principles, but they are worth our consideration on an ongoing basis. Now, for this episode, I asked the question on Twitter, which first officer was best at understanding and responding to the crew's needs? There was a near tie between Chakotay and Riker, but the results were Chakotay with 45%, Riker with 42%, Spock with 13%, and Kira with no votes at all. Now, Spock I could understand supposedly because he's a Vulcan and he has no emotions, so it's really difficult to have emotional intelligence along those lines. But Kira, I suppose, was just a no-nonsense first officer. She got no votes whatsoever. Well, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. We will wrap up with the final 
uh, part of 4PIP's Leadership Tips with Calvinist Picard on episode 14, where we'll take a look at practical leadership application principles, and I'll draw from my own experiences and a lot of different uh, classes and courses that I've taken along the way as I'm working through a leadership program currently. I'd like to remind you to engage with me on Twitter at Calvinist Picard. Also, follow me on Facebook at Calvinist Picard as well. And you can also visit calvinistpicard.com and connect with me on the first contact page. You can also read the captain's blog and all the previous podcasts that we've done. You can find us on iTunes as well. And I'd like to encourage you to take a moment to rate the show as well as leave a comment if you will. Thanks for taking the time to listen.